hello, welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Munkin, the only show where if the members of Lips Inc. were asked were to say that they want us to go to Funky Town, we would have to say no because we only go to Monkey Town. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jake Christie, joined as always by Andre Barrera. Andre, how are you? The member of what band? Lips Inc., which is the band that makes Funky Town. Um, which wow. Did I, did, <laughs> did I, Andre, do, did I have to Google that? The answer won't surprise you. Wow, that's insane. Um, I probably would have just gone with Red Hot Chili Peppers. What did they have? Did they do a cover of Funky Town? Yeah, for uh, Beavis and Butthead do America. Ah, um, just another uh, another thing where I'm not a '90s kid, so that stuff just completely. Uh, there's so I feel like, and I've never actually watched it, but I feel like there's some stuff from the '90s that, like, yeah, that age. Well, I can watch that now, but with stuff like that, like Beavis and Butthead, I'm just like, I'm not even gonna try because I just know that that <laughs> is not gonna mean anything to me, you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I think it's kind of funny sometimes. I'm but, sure uh, it is, but, but it, it, there's... Yeah. The only part that's funny, re- or, like, that's really funny, like, th- most of the narrative is, like, whatever, but just, like, watching them rewatch old-ass music videos, like mm-hmm. Shaggy, Mr. Boombastic, is fucking funny. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're not here to talk about Mr. Boombastic. Although, you know, Sha- I do love... <laughs> I, I can talk about Shaggy. I can talk about It Wasn't Me a lot. Although I feel like all the comedy to be mine from It Wasn't Me has been mined already. Um, but, Definitely. Uh, I just wanted my, the, thing, the point I always make is, so did she leave the room and grab a camera, or did she have a camera already with her? Because he says you, she caught me on camera. And this is the 90s where there was no camera phones. So did she, was she like, oh my god, I see my boyfriend creeping with the girl maybe, next door. Maybe she had cameras and saw at her house. That's... Ex- very extra to do it in the bathroom, but you might be right. Nanny cam, baby. Uh, yeah. Wow. It, does that mean that he's her baby daddy? That's messed up, too. With the girl next door. I also do want to say, I would love for us to go back to a time where me- songs refer to cheating as creeping. That, uh, is great. <laughs> that's true, but also, like, yeah, that song is just straight up, like, that's horrible. Like, she, he's been, like, just banging out the girls on the bathroom floor. That's mm-hmm. dreadful. Anyway. Ex- yeah, and also, it's like, you're in a house. You can just do it in the bed. Anyway, we start off at a house, outside by the pool, um, and a guy is breaking in. Um, he does something cool where he like slashes the glass and then punches it, which is something I've never seen before. Um, it seems kind of pointless to me, but I yeah. I think it probably I'm imagining that that's probably like fortified glass because with like r- most glass, especially on like a door these days, you can't you have to like really punch it to try to go through it. It's usually reinforced, so I imagine that that's probably why. Reinforced with what? No, I mean, just, like, thicker glass and might have, like, different chemicals in it. I don't know. I'm not a freaking glass blower. Um, but I do know that, like, most glass, like, for example, my screen door in my p- parents' house in Florida, if I just punched it pretty hard, it would not break because it's, like, different multiple layers and stuff like that. Like, th- we've come a long way in glass technology. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so he breaks in, but you think he's going to be creeping around, but someone says, you're late. But he doesn't expect them to be there. Uh, by the way, this the br- robber's name is Dewey, and the uh, guy who's there is named uh, what is it? Rob. Rob. Yeah. Rob Sherman. Uh, yeah. So clearly, there's uh, some sort of uh, arrangement that's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. But judging by how weird this guy Rob is acting, you mm-hmm. automatically know that this guy is not going to follow through on his portion no. of the plan. So Dewey opens up like a cabinet and he starts putting stuff in a bag. And he's like, you're going to sell all this stuff for insurance because, you know. And honestly, that's that's not a bad plan, hiring a robber to break in your house and sell stuff for insurance. I can't recommend you do it because it is a crime, but it's not bad, you know. Good way to make money. Yeah. 
at least uh, you know you just need a reliable fence. Exactly. Um, well, that's the thing too. There's certain things with criminals which is like, how do you even begin to find out where to get that? You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't. If you asked me, I had to fence something. I wouldn't even have the faintest clue where to start. <laughs> You know what the weirdest thing is? Is like I didn't even know if like fencing was a thing until I think Red Dead Two came out. Because I don't even think in Red Dead One that was a thing that you had. To I know because Elder Scrolls Oblivion, my favorite video game of all time, in the Thieves Guild, you have to sell stuff to fences. Um, shouts to my favorite friends, Angar the World Weary, who every time you start talking to him, he says, "I'm really tired. Can we get on with this?" Which is the energy that I want to live my whole life with. Um, <laughs> God, I really. You this, can, I'm really on one. I'm on one today with. Uh, in terms of my brand of coming up with lip sync and then shouting out a specific not important NPC in a video game that came out 16 years ago. Anyway. Not even uh, Skyrim. <laughs> no, I honestly, I played Skyrim for like five hours and I was so used to Oblivion. It's like, no, I'm out. I'm out. I just didn't even like it that much. It's just because it wasn't okay. the same. And that's, you know, it's everything. It's, it's why I eat all the same foods that I liked when, 10 years ago. I don't change. I'm like monk in that way. Anyway. Uh, the guy. Like suck on a chili dog. Yeah, you've been obsessed with tweeting that. Um, <laughs> it is funny that that's a line in a famous song, but um, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, it why? Is. Why is that a line? Um, and so Rob pulls out a gun, like a little revolver, and he says, "This is your gun, Dewey," which usually is not a good thing for someone to say in that situation because it's not his gun, you know. Yeah, he knows where his gun, and it's not. He knows that's not his biscuit. Let's just say. Exactly. And when, and when asked for more information, he says, this is the gun. And this, this is your gun. And this is the gun I'm going to use to kill the intruder. Um, not great. And yeah. he He's then cold. uses he his him. he uses his biscuit and he shoots him. Um, Correct. Which attracts the attention of his loving wife upstairs. And mm-hmm. she comes down. And at first, I didn't think he was just going to do that, too. But uh, sure enough, he shoots her, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he starts manipulating, like, the crime scene and shit, like, mm-hmm. wiping stuff down, you know, making it look like the, what he's going to explain later. Uh, he and shoots he a, a sp- hole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He shoots a hole in the wall with Dewey's gun from Dewey's perspective, which is a smart move, honestly. Good stuff. He, he put a lot of yeah, effort. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Um, and then he calls 911, and truly just a terrible fake 911 call. The first thing he says is, oh, my God. As, like, the reason that that's dumb is because by the time you ascertain what's going on enough to call 911, you say, oh my god, when you first see the body. You're not still saying, you're like, you know, I just, I just don't believe that. He's acting like he just discovered the body, but why would you call 911? Yeah, I don't know, whatever. I'm being right, mad. especially, like, after he blasted the dude. Exactly. You, you, yeah. it, clearly, you know what's going on by that point. Um, and right. Anyway, if, she, if he would have yeah. just found her body and, like, not the other person's body and not shot the other person, mm-hmm. then, okay, I could buy that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we cut to the theme song, and then Julie and her boyfriend Tim, um, who has a haircut that reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, growing up in the mid-2000s. Um, very Zac guy- Efron in a high school musical. Yeah, every other guy had that haircut, um, that I knew. Uh, I don't think it ever looked good, but, you know, no haircut looks good. Ten years. I'm pretty sure I had that haircut too. Yeah, and I'm sure it didn't that. look good on you. And but now you you got the whole you got the friggin' windswept the facial hair. You got the you got a, you got the look. I mean, you're 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 good now. You discovered it. Thank you. But yeah, they're late for school. Julie and Tim, and it's gonna be their third tardy in two weeks. Which that's not good. You know, you got to strip school on time. Yeah, but you know, Natalie 
she knows that it's not Julie's fault, like, legit. So she, you know, writes a note to the teacher to cover for them. And while that's happening, we basically see that Julie's wearing a shirt that has both him and her and Tim, like, in a heart. In a heart. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, very sweet, but also, like, God, how annoying. And she says that she promised him that he, she'd wear it every day until she died. Which, um, man. Good luck getting a job that way. Yeah. Um, Unless you're, like, a barista or something. No shots at baristas. I'm just saying no. you don't have to wear, like... Mm-hmm. And so, we cut into the home, and they ask, you know... Did you know him? And then he asked, like, really stoically, like, to Stottmeyer, you ever kill anyone? <laughs> he's, just, he's laying on a little thick, in my opinion. Right. And, uh, yeah, you know, he obviously says that he doesn't know him. Um, and while this is happening, also, Disher is basically telling, talking to Monk, and he apologizes for bringing him in because, as it always is, it looks like an open and shut case. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Monk is less than positive about exactly. that. Because we learned that this guy bought the gun because there was a string of robberies uh, on his street, which, like, my opinion on that always is that if you uh, live in a house like that, you're not in a neighborhood where you need to buy a gun. But that's whatever. Um, right. I mean, but he's doing a pretty good job. He does, he's doing a good job. He's doing a pretty job. good yeah, job. Yeah. Yes, he is. He is. Um, but he says, apparently, well, what we learned is that she, his wife went down to change the thermostat, and she saw the intruder, and the intruder, um, who, of course, came into the window... Um, she, he, she shot him. I mean, he shot her, and that uh, the husband grabbed his he gun, sh- and he came down and shot Dewey. Um, which is that this time I will point out that there's no one, no real person has ever had the name Dewey. It exclusively exists in film and TV as the name for a fuck up. Seriously, think of a real person named Dewey. Um, yeah, I got nothing. There's none. I I've, I've looked. I once looked it up on Wikipedia. There's only like seven people with the name Dewey. And then um, Wikipedia. Yeah, it's like, and, and it's crazy too that there are two Deweys from mid 2000s movies, mid 2000s comedy movies that are like guys, uh, mid 2000s comedy guys who play lead guitar in a band. That is two two Deweys. Well, Dewey Cox. I only I only know one Dewey. Oh, I never watched Dewey Cox. Uh, um, Dewey, I only know Dewey one, Dewey. and it's Dewey from Scream. David oh Arquette. right, yeah. Also, Dewey from Scream. Yeah, if if you another idiot, to, famous a, idiot. Exactly. If you need someone to be a fuck up in a movie or TV show, you just name him Dewey. But it's not a real name. Now, I did. I That's funny. This, I mentioned this to my older brother once, and I asked him name a Dewey, and he said Dewey Decimal, which is very funny. Also, uh, there was this guy that I went to high school with. I'm not going to say his name, and I doubt he'll ever listen to this, but. He uh he got a DUI while we were in high school and, and we started him calling Dewey? him Dewey, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Anyway, um so uh what was gonna say that uh Well okay, basically yeah. now Monk, yeah. you know, he's kind of going through some of the things that he's suspicious of. The mm-hmm. first thing being why the hell did he park in the driveway? Mm-hmm. It's like a weird thing to do if you're planning on robbing a place. That's I, I, that's absolutely correct. And also why are the soles of his shoes perfectly clean when there's dirt outside? Right, because he left footprints outside in the garden, but apparently he wiped his feet once he got inside. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. And when when we're asked about Monk wiping his feet, we learn from the owner, Rob, that the rug is $23,000, which I will say is a really bad investment of $23,000. You're literally stepping on it every day. 
That's true. Um, in my personal life, I, I was I literally just bought a rug for someone's house that was thirty thousand dollars, and I wanted to die. That is insane. Um, I like a good rug as much as the next guy, but there's just no way that I feel like there's just there has to be a amount that's diminishing returns. You know, like I'm not saying you shouldn't even spend a lot of money on a rug because a good feeling rug is good. But like once you get in a couple thousand dollar range, I can't imagine a thirty thousand dollar one's gonna be much better. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so Monk goes upstairs, and he notices that somebody unplugged the phone. Sure is strange uh, that that would be the case. And also, right. the, this is, I think, the biggest clue. The gun, the, the lockbox the gun is in is latched closed again. Right, and Monk's basically like, well, why would he stop and close the box if his wife was like, if you heard a gunshot or you heard his wife screaming or whatever, like, why would you do that? I think the biggest clue is the next one, actually. Oh, then what is the next clue, then? Oh, well, yeah, so while they're in the bedroom also, they notice that her slippers are still in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And if she was going down to change the thermostat, you would think that she would put on her slippers to do that. Her feet would be cold. I I mean, you make an excellent point. Um, Yeah, I'm... uh... Yeah, I think that, I don't sleep. I don't sleep with so- socks on. I, I mean, I, just... I quite literally, unless I am leaving the house, I don't have socks or shoes on at any point ever. Which is people have said is quote unquote gross. But you know, I if I'm being completely frank, when I was in middle school, I had athlete's foot, and I was told that wearing socks around the house can make it get worse. So I have not worn socks around the house since. So my wife's the same way. She like well, she wears socks in the house, but like literally, like nobody can wear shoes in here. I mean, I feel like that's a cultural thing, but also yeah, I just I. Literally, snow. So I I actually kind of hate wearing socks without shoes on. It just makes my feet sweat, and it just feels gross. I don't know. Um, I also have, and this is you know a well known fact about me, unusually large toes. So that might be part of it. That like I feel restricted. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, uh, people have called me monkey feet before. Um, or you're embarrassed point, to show them I, off. No, I'm not embarrassed to show them off. I don't wear shoes around the house all the time. But I remember I oh, pointed wait. out to a roommate, my roommate once back in the day, and I said it's like a joke. And he was, like, kind of trying to yes and, and then he looked down at my feet. And you ever notice when someone's, like, trying to hide that they're actually shocked by something? He was like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I, I, I thought you were, I thought you were something like, oh, your toes are kind of big. But it's like, no, your toes are a full one-fifth the size of your foot. Um, anyway. Wow, I need to see this. I, right, yeah, I, 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 well, last thought on it. I wear a, a shoe size that's about two sizes higher than my because basically based on your height is kind of what determines your shoe size i wear 11 or 11 and a half where even though i'm only 5 8 so yeah it's uh it's a problem anywho um we cut outside and tim who we learn is a diver he's miming a dive outside which is like really rude like you're at a crime scene um uh but he uh, right and i thought like so they would have like if they were gonna like investigate the crime scene, they should have just called someone else to take care of, like to take them to school or something, and call a cab. No, apparently, I don't know. but when Natalie's writing the note, she mentions that she got the call when they were on their way. Right, but like since then, there's been at yeah, least yeah, half right. an hour of them also. Being like, I just feel like I feel like maybe I was. I mean, I was a goody two shoes as a kid, but yeah, no shit. I feel like I yeah. You know, when I say something that's self-deprecating, you don't have to yes and me. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I do. No, yes, but I also, do. like, you weren't, I mean, even you weren't as goody two-shoes like me, but, like, if you were at a scene of a double homicide, you're not going to be doing bits on the guy's furniture. <laughs> like, what do you, you know? Like, it's a double homicide. <laughs> I think I might. It was outside, man. Come that's on. That's fair. Anyway, uh, Rob comes up to them, and he's not really liking that they're there. Understandable. Why are there two children at the scene of my wife's murder? Um... And uh, they're, you know, that's Julie and her boyfriend, Tim. And 
she's like, hey, she's like, yeah, this is my boyfriend. And he's like, I can see from your shirt. And apparently it's at the Bay City Pier. And he remarks, guess there's no such thing as dress codes anymore. Which, like, you know, I that hurt me my soul as the per- You know, I don't know if they- For school, did you have to- I don't know if there's just a Florida thing, because we had to, like, write essays for standardized test. But I had to write the essay arguing why there should or shouldn't be dress codes in school, like, three times. Um, and so I feel very passionately that there shouldn't be, because I had to argue it three times. But yeah, I just- I didn't like that remark. That rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, yeah, no, I went to Catholic school, so. <laughs> and I know- I know you had a dress code. I was just wondering if that was the thing that everyone did, where it's like the sample essay always was, should there be dress codes in school? Nah, it would be like, can we put Hawaiian Punch in the water fountain? I mean, shouts to the movie Mr. Deeds, where they do just that. Um, uh, Thank you. You caught that. I mean, I've, I've, I've actually seen the movie like ten times. It's one of my most saved movies ever. Um, anyway, Stomer comes out and he says to Rob, like, you know, you don't have to worry about the DA's going to file the report, etc., etc. But then Monk asks him... Why didn't you empty your gun? Which, I mean, good point. Why do you, the fact you shot fired one bullet, that's a bit, you know, iffy. Uh, yeah. Uh, unless he he spent some time at the range, I have no idea. But he seems to answer pretty confidently that he only needed one shot. Yeah, exactly. He's like freaking Atticus One-Shot Finch. Um, that's Atticus Finch's nickname, One-Shot, because he shoots birds, if I remember correctly. Um, Did he shoot know. Mockingbirds? To kill him, I mean, I don't think he. I don't think he kills Mockingbird. This is the whole point that you're not supposed to kill a Mockingbird. That like, yeah. putting Tom on uh, death row would be like killing a Mockingbird. I believe is the message of the book. Um, I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Stoudemire says in he Stoudemire going full Republican, saying, you know, I think he's the man. Which like, th- I'll, the thing I always hate about shit like that is it's like. Well, not only did he say yeah, that, yeah. but he also said like he would have unloaded the clip in yeah. him personally. Which like yeah. I understand that. But there's something that always rubs me the wrong way about that, where it's like, people, most people who have actually had an intruder come in and they've killed the intruder, that scars them for the rest of their life. It is not a good thing. But this right. way that certain people, particularly like white conservative men, fantasize about the, like, I just want to see someone try to try me. What, you want to take someone's life? Like, what the fuck is wrong with yeah, you? Exactly, anyway, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But Monk says, no, no, he's not the man. He's the guy. Yep. And he is the guy. Mm-hmm. So but then we cut to like what? Like they're the on their way to somewhere? The station. The station. Yeah. And, and Randy's Monk... reading his notes. Right. But Monk thinks that somehow Dewey and Rob knew each other. Yeah. That it was a setup. Right. Um, and we, who, the, who's there other than lovely Rita? A character that it feels like we're supposed to know, but we don't. Um, yeah. She, I was like, who the hell is this person? Yeah. It's unclear whether or not she's a sex worker of some kind. Um,. Lovely Rita suggests maybe she is. Maybe she's a madam. Um, right. And, like, Disher, they're going over, like, all the things that Monk noticed at the crime scene. Yeah. And, basically, Disher's, like, on board with him. He, yeah. He, 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 yeah. Yeah, Disher, I sense. like this. I like that Disher's on. I like this Same. thing of Rika on the episode. I like that Disher's on board. Um, and so, they're going through the, uh, the and basically, the Rita's, like, rebutting everything. Like, the phone the bedroom was unplugged. Rita says they probably don't like being woken up by phone calls, um, which fair, but that's also kind of the point of having a of phone. Having in a bedroom. phone, right? Which just of course, don't have it in there. and just because it, if you're in the drinking game, this is going to be a big, a 
big drink. You have to finish a drink for this. It's like one of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes in the 2007 film Zodiac, where when uh, Jake Gyllenhaal oh. calls uh, Mark Ruffalo late at night, and he reaches for the phone, and he accidentally knocks over the lamp, and he re- picks up the phone and says, Hi, whoever this is, you owe me a lamp. Love it. Yeah. No, I thought you were going to refer to NYU. No, no. That's, that is another thing you have to take a whole drink for. Um, yeah. Also, the, okay, the wife's slippers. What's the explanation for that? Um, that she wasn't actually cold. She just wanted to go downstairs for some chocolate cake. Not, that's honestly not unfair. That's actually, I actually think that, I, I, if I didn't already know that the guy was a murderer, that would have swayed me. <laughs> Fine, but it's not like she was overweight or anything. It's no, like well, she no, couldn't have. That's the point. There's a certain, like, type of, like, this is not true. This is a stereotype, but, like, a certain type of white housewife that's, like, I, I'm just going to cheat a little bit, have a little bit of cake at night. You know, just a little, I like to have two scoops of ice cream just, just to treat myself, you know, like to treat me. Um, sure, I guess. I don't know white people. So. I know. I, I, I don't know if you, you don't listen, but I did. I made my debut two episodes ago on the Marvel podcast when there was the clip of uh, – I assume you saw on Twitter the clip of the guy. Your debut? No, no, no. Listen, my debut on the Marvel podcast as the white person correspondent um, where – I don't know if you saw the clip of the guy dancing in it. You know, it was all over Twitter, right? The character in the Marvel – and Cap, Cap Falcon and the Winter Soldier dancing. I had to explain why oh, Zemo. People, yeah, I had to explain why white people dance weird. Um, and, uh, the answer, by the way, is because we are constantly embarrassed, we're t- between two poles of trying not to be embarrassed by dancing too enthusiastically, but not being embarrassed by not dancing enough. So that's why. Anyway. Um. Thank you. But we learned that Rita, she's there because she was apparently a witness to an alleged knife fight. Yeah. Um, which is great. I really would have, I, I really wanted this to somehow be connected to this case, but it wasn't. Yeah. In the I, and I feel like this is like a different show that that happens in. Cause Monk things are usually all, all matter or at least connected. Um, right. And to be frank, my crutch when I write stuff is just to have random characters throw a wrench in a scene that have nothing to do with anything. And so I, I liked it a lot cause it's like, hell yeah, I love when just a random stock character shows up for one scene that has nothing to do with anything. But. Sounds like St- they're funkin' a little bit. They, I, my writing is pretty funkin'. You know, it's like d- don't uh, do what I say, not as I do. Um, but someone asked an important question: What is the motive? Right, and Monk says he basically, from his behavior, says that Rob didn't love her because all he thought about when her body was getting wheeled out of the house was about the twenty-three thousand dollar rug. Yeah, honestly, not not a bad point. Um, no, but that's just like an isolated incident. It's not Correct. like, yeah. Yes, I do think that. Although I will say, Monk has does know what it's like to lose a wife. He's got he's got a little bit of insight for sure. Yes, and then Rita tells Monk that he's cute. And the thing I like about this scene a lot is, if you I don't know if you saw it, the way that Natalie reacts to that, like she very no. much enjoys Monk being made uncomfortable. Um, I think that that's just like the type of stuff that you get when actors have chemistry and stuff like that. Because I don't even th- I doubt that that was on the page. It was in the script. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great stuff. Yeah, she's asking him to take down just one of the buttons, you know, show a little something off. Yeah, exactly. Show a little bit of that, you know, Lebanese hair. Um, I don't know if that's a stereotype about it. I, I honestly don't know what races do and don't have chest hair. Don't write it into the comments. Um, so, Stammer's also like, but they never met. But Monk insists, I know I've seen them together before. I was like legit, like where the hell would they have? Would he have seen them? And like it's, yeah. it's actually pretty fucking good. It's funny end, but... because I, I mentioned last episode that I hadn't seen this episode more than like twice. The two details I remembered is I remembered the thing with the shirt, and I remembered Monk's talk. Those are the only two things I really remember from this episode. Um, okay. And Stammer says that they lived in different worlds, 
Um, they go over the rap sheets. Exactly. Dewey has like 19 uh, like arrests, 12 yeah. convictions. Rob only has one arrest for driving with a suspended license. But Monk has discovered that there is a connection after all. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to Juliet School. Um, more like schooly. That's dumb. Um, and they see Clay Bridges. <sighs> Clay Bridges, which is, of course. Son, son of uh, Nash Bridges, of course. Yeah, of all the Bridges, that's what you went with, not Jeff or. Even Jeff's father, Lloyd. Well, Bridges? Jeff's a real person. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were going. I didn't know you were going. Uh, had to fictional, be fictional. characters. Yeah, yeah, I'm going fictional. Um, and Clay, who honestly just looks like if you had if you hooked a freaking like scanner onto someone's brain and asked them to describe the hot guy in a 2000s movie, it is truly like the st- perfect stock character of it. But he's having trouble in Spanish and name too. Uh, yeah, he has trouble with some... He's having a little bit of... Uh, how do you say trouble in Spanish? Uh, un, un problema. Problema. Un problema. No, problema poco. Problema poco, right? Is that, am I right? A little problem? Más o menos. Más o menos, yeah. Uh, and he needs a tutor. So he asked Natalie, you know, basically like, hey, I know you're an AP... She's like an AP Spanish? She's an honor Spanish. Okay, yeah, as a freshman, which is nice. Um, and he's like, you know, not doing so hot. And yeah. she agrees. Whoa, whoa, whoa. he's doing very out. hot. He's just not doing on Spanish. But oh, okay. But and she, he asks about the shirt, and it's her boyfriend Tim Sussman. Um, uh, I'll just say I'm suspicious of anyone with last name Sussman for reasons I won't go into. But the, if you know, you know. Um, All right. And uh, he's apparently on. The, you know, the, uh, Julie mentions that he's on the swim team, but he doesn't get in a lot. And Clay, honestly, Clay nails his assignment of getting Julie to date him. Like, because, go. No, 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 go ahead. Because it's not just like she, he comes on to her. Like, the subtlety of like, oh, towel boy, huh? Like, that is so perfectly calibrated. (laughs) Just like, that's ruthless. Yeah, it was like a real dick move, but, you know, he's a senior. And uh, it's just like, I'm automatically suspicious when like a senior like this is like after a freshman. It's just fucking Yes, I, this term doesn't. It probably is not age well, but I don't know if it was your uh, school, but we we call that cradle robbing is uh, what that would be described as. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, just really honestly gross. Um, yeah, and especially because, like, it just, the, just you, when they're together in the scene, just like, that is a child and that is a grown man. Um, anyway, Monk and Natalie are meeting uh, Rob at, like, the uh, mausoleum, basically. Um, yeah. And because apparently his wife got cremated, uh, and Monk says that he's going to be buried next to Trudy, which is nice. And Natalie remarks that she's missing. He's definitely got. He's definitely got the plot already, right? He's got the great plot. Shouts to by the way the Lonely Island song. I don't know if you're familiar with Diaper Money. Are you familiar with that Lonely Island song? No, I'm. It's I'm basically not. a rap song where the first verse is about ha- being like an adult. It's like having diaper money. The next one is having wife pussy, and then the last verse is Andy Samberg talking having about having what? Like, What's the second pussy. thing? Wife pussy. It's like it's like the idea is like rap stuff. It's like you have money for diapers. You the pussy you get is from your wife. But then the last verse of it, which is the funny verse, is Andy Samberg talking about how he's an adult because he has his own grave plot. <laughs> um, and he keeps remarking that it's right off the highway, which I think is one of the funniest jokes. Anyway, great stuff. Um, I really, I as I was saying, explaining that halfway through, I'm like, oh my god, I cannot believe I've said the phrase "wife pussy." Why did I start talking about this? Um, More than once, <laughs> three times. But Natalie remarks that she's missing Mitch, um, and because uh, Julie, all this stuff, 
And then Monk has to rearrange the urns. And honestly, I hate this bit. Because, like, this is just, like, this is not, this is actually just so bad. And I think that, like, actually, I'll let you talk about it because I have thoughts. Yeah, you know, it's it's another one of those things where anyone would have, anyone that's a human being with, like, a brain and a heart, like, Mm -hmm. has the decorum not to fuck with, like, Mm-hmm. urns and yeah. and name tags and he's just arranging them like by height and weight or whatever the mm-hmm. hell or like yeah i don't know he's arranging them in some weird way and natalie is way too late to catch him in the act of doing that and by that point he's already fucked it all up and yeah. in the middle of them like doing all that they knock over a bunch of them I, I think the thing is like it's not so much that i don't believe monk would do that although i think monk has his capabilities of like not doing stuff like that but i think the thing for me is that like when I think the show has too much heart in a lot of scenes for them to then be that callous in a scene like this. You know what I mean? Like, correct. It's, this feels like a bit in a show that is a lot less sentimental. And I mean, sentimental. Like, I like that it's sentimental, but it's just like a much sillier show. Like an Arrested Development type show should have a bit like this where you're not actually supposed to care about the characters, but it's like Monk is actually like fucking ruining the memory of dead people for actual living human beings. Like, that's actually really bad. And I think that in a show like Arrested Development, you're not actually thinking about it because your brain is not in that mode. But in Monk, you're actually thinking about the fact that he's doing that. You know what I mean? I, I, you can't laugh at it because you're like, I would be real... It, it would be the most horrible thing in the world if I learned that I accidentally got someone else's ashes because someone fucked them up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, obviously... I mean, th- they get caught... At the very end of yeah. it, but mm-hmm. what are they going to do? Nobody's going to say, like, oh, this guy was yeah. randomly here and he fucked up yeah. all the ashes. Anyway, so. so Rob comes in with, like, the fe- the mausoleum director and his assistant that is, tr- like, she was wearing a costume from Party City that is assistant that is sleeping with her boss. I mean, it's really, it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, she's cosplaying it real nice. Um, yeah. And basically... They're going over, like, or Monk's trying to ask him about how how he might know Dewey. Because yeah. apparently he's got some evidence that they were in traffic court at the same time. Mm-hmm. At a uh, same courthouse. So maybe they would have run into each other then. This is and, a really much lower rate usual suspects. Right. Um, but, you know, to be fair, like, Rob plays it off pretty well, man. Like, honestly, like, he provides... Also, you didn't note something. This is usually your job. I don't know. Maybe I was not paying attention. Where was the traffic court? Was it on Vinton? It was on Vinton Street. <laughs> I didn't fucking... I didn't, I didn't hear that. I somehow did not hear that. Anyway, yeah. But he plays it off where he's just like, that must have been where he decided to rob me because he saw me in my nice suit with my uh, BMW and my $5,000 Rolex. Yeah, and uh, that's a solid point. Honestly, like, I, that would have sold me. Um, yeah. Because, Yeah. Especially the, the, the fact that you're down on your luck, you just got it. You got out of court, and you see some jackass stroll into traffic court, pay the fine like it's nothing, and he just goes on his merry way, and you're fucking screwed because you have a long rap sheet. Fuck that guy. I'm gonna rob him. It makes sense, right? And like, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I hate to say it, but the man's been arrested 19 times. Like, he's no angel either. No, I. That phrase is definitely one of those that I just I've heard too many times in obscene context, so I don't like it. But he is no angel, correct? Um, oh, is that? Oh, fuck. Okay, yeah. I didn't no, I don't, I'm not trying to say it's actually a bad thing. It's just like the amount of times they've heard, so it's like, oh, I we're no angel. Um, once again, I think I just hang out with, have been around too many conservative white people. Anyway, so we cut to uh, Natalie's house, and uh, she's teaching, uh, Julie's teaching Clay Spanish, and it's mi gusta mi hermana. 
Because remember, when it's a female verb, it's with an A. Man, I don't even think about that shit. It's so ingrained in my body. I know. It definitely is. In terms of learning Spanish, I only look. I didn't take that much Spanish. I only took until like Spanish 2 in high school. But the thing about verbs being, I mean, nouns being masculine or feminine, because a lot of the other, with Spanish, it's like the order of the words is kind of weird. But the thing that's completely just doesn't exist in English at all is the masculine and feminine. So just like, but why is anyway? It's, we could you know I, I I'm not the only yeah. person. There's been a m- million years of gender studies about that type of thing. Anyway, what he says though is that you know it's not easy. Screen passes are easy, which I appreciate because that means that someone in the writers room watches football because that is actually something that is easy for a quarterback to do. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good uh, vernacular going on in this whole conversation. But basically, he's uh, while this is all happening, he's moving pretty quickly. You know, he's got. Uh, He's looking. He's in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He needs to throw a game-winning touchdown, so he throws. Uh, he, instead, he throws his hand on top of Julie's. I, I, ironically, he's a football player, but he is very aggressively trying to slide into second base. Right. Yeah. Very bad. And like Natalie's like right behind them, and mm-hmm. as soon as she sees this, she you yeah. know well, makes the move to says, get him. Well, first he says, "I was hoping out. we could be more than amigos." Which oh, I'll be right. honest with you, great. If you're getting Spanish tutoring, that's great line. Great stuff. Love it. Honestly, yes. Uh, I, what's the opposite of how do you say down? No, he's up, up good. Up he's good? up. I mean, my guy's up good. Uh, yeah, yeah, down bad doesn't really have a a good opposite. But anyway, Natalie jumps and she's like, "Oh, it's ten thirty. Uh, you want to go to bed early, Julie?" And then she says, "See you manana," which she doesn't know means uh, tomorrow, which is a good joke. Um, I like it. Uh, yeah. And, but then he's like, "You know, you're in second period uh, study hall, right? The QB <laughs> has to see the whole field." Also, another accurate thing. I just, you know, I know we talk that I just hate when uh, movies and TV shows that are try to use sports jargon, but they use it incorrectly. This is all good. Like in Mr. Monk and the Coach, or what was that one? Mr. Called? Monk and the Big Game. I thought I think we talked was I thought that was good. I thought most of the stuff was good. Most of the stuff was good, but he is not the best at like. No, of course he's do. not because he doesn't know sports. But the episode, like the ep- the episode, was I think accurate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we see Clay get in his car, and he makes a phone call. Yeah, he's uh, he calls Allison after that, and uh, it looks like uh, they're in cahoots. There's there's some sort of plan brewing. There's something that's going on, mm-hmm. and so they hang up the. F- I mean, there's that's all it is, right? That yeah, that sh- that she's wants him to date Julie. Right. Yeah. There's something like that, and then when she hangs up, uh, you know, we cut to where Allison is, and she's in bed with your close personal friend Rob. Yep, uh, Rob. He's a sports agent. He actually got me some tickets to um, the uh, the NBA Finals a couple years ago. So yeah, we're good friends. It's really shitty what he did, but like those were great tickets to courtside. So I, you know, it, it means a lot. Anyway, um, I feel like they don't make a big enough deal that he's a sports agent in the. Yeah, thing. I know. I I because he has a lot of jerseys. He's got like a Tim Duncan jersey. He's got a. He had uh, a Ron Mexico jersey. He, 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 did, did he have a Michael Vick jersey or no? A Ron Mexico jersey. No, he didn't have a Ron Mexico jersey. That doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> but for everyone who doesn't get it, Ron Mexico. We might have done this bit already because I think this is something we both share that we love. When I think we did before, this in Mr. Monk goes to Mexico. That's fine. Shortly before he, his dog fighting thing happened, uh, Michael Vick got an anonymous test for herpes under the name Ron Mexico, which is truly the funniest <laughs> thing in the entire world. It's just like it's just the funniest thing. I, I the amount of things that I've thrown that reference into. Anyway. Um, but uh, we learned that Julie 
asked Natalie if she can go to a party because Clay texted her asking to go to a party that weekend. Yes. Uh, welcome to the 20th century or 21st century. 21st century. Uh, yeah. And so basically Natalie's like trying to talk her out of it. She's basically mentioning that this guy is like older and like she's not ready for that. And she's like struggling. She's struggling to have this conversation with Julie, which, you know, I can only imagine a single mother having to talk to her daughter about sex must be one of the hardest things in the world. To yeah. Do. Less than ideal. Um, really feel for her. But we learned that Julie also broke up with Tim. And she's taking all the stuff that she gave him. I mean, that he gave her, and he doesn't Listen, just take high school. Lo- high school love is fickle, my friend. I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, that she takes all of it and is like gonna throw it in the fire or whatever. And Natalie's really mad that she broke up with Tim. And Julie, I think this is honestly good writing. I actually don't know, but I feel like this is good writing for a teenage girl. Well, she her point is, you know, mothers loved him because there's a certain type of person that it's like oh mothers yeah you know you are you raising your hand guilt guilty as charged hey that's hey man moms I, love me i've made the best first impression with so many parents in my life my my friend my, my parents friends for example back in florida because you know i've stayed with them a bunch of times they man they all love me they might love me more than my parents do like they I, i'm with you i sincerely doubt that i know it's i know that that's not true but you know my point <laughs> like there's a certain yeah. skill of making people 25 to 40 years older than you like you it's you know it's an art. Um, it reminds me of the scene in Superbad where, like, they're recapping the night mm-hmm. when they go to, like, the strip club. Mm-hmm. But before that, they're, like, at a family party yeah. and they're all talking to all the older people. Mm-hmm. You strike me as that type. Oh, love it. I love chopping it up with my uh, parents' friends. Anyway, um, so she throws the stuff into the fire. Um, and she mentions that in four and a half months, she'll be 16. Which, it's unclear what she means by that, but it's not good. Yeah, it's 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 not gonna go well. Anymore. Yeah, one second. Uh, you keep talking, explain what's happening. Uh, there's something I have to look up on a private search, just because I don't want the FBI to come after me. But um, sure, okay. So we cut to basically Monk is checking out a random apartment, which we come to learn is actually Dewey's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the landlord lets him in and gives him some deets. Basically, he's lived there for the last ten years mm-hmm. or ten months. Sorry, yeah. not years. Um, and he was always late with the rent. He was. Right. Uh, I have good news, by the way. I just wanted to double check. I'm like, please tell me that 16 is not the age of consent in California. It is not. It's 18. Thank God. I just want to make sure that's not what they're talking about. Um, but yeah, okay. I, 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 it's also less the FBI. I just, yeah, I knew if I Googled it not on private that I would start getting like recommendations to like follow libertarian Twitter accounts, and I don't want that. Um, right. So he was always late with the rent, and he was also like coming in and out, and basically not the ideal tenant uh, for the landlord. And while this is all happening, Monk notices that the air vents in the room are rusty, but for whatever reason, the screws are new. Exactly. And so as he, he grabs the screwdrivers, as he's unscrewing it, Natalie's talking about how worried she is about Julie because um, she said she's going to be 16. And the landlord says, oh, that's your daughter? <laughs> Which is honestly not a fan. That creep me out. I, I know he's probably not trying to be creepy, but it is creepy. Um, yeah, I was unclear on what the hell this was about. I think what he was trying to do was imply, like, oh, I've been there. Because they weren't playing him as creepy, but, you know, um, I'm just always on the lookout. So, uh, the um, as he's unscrewing the stuff, Matt was like, will you talk to her about, you know, because you're a man in her life? And Monk says, what about him, the landlord? Kids respect landlords. I think it's the keys. <laughs> Which I love. That's a great line. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, um, yeah. 
And, you know, he's basically trying to get out of it. But, you know, while he's also doing this, they find a twenty-two caliber uh, gun mm-hmm. in the vent and some ammo. So why, why would he, why would he not gun? bring that biscuit, you know? Right. Yeah. Why would he have the biscuit that he was found with? Exactly. And, um, and he has all that honey for a twenty-two biscuit, but he doesn't have any honey bullets for a thirty-eight. Yeah. Yeah, correct. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Julie's talking about, she says, well, then they go back to the conversation yeah, and yeah. Monk says that he's probably the least qualified person in North America to talk to her. And that's exactly why Natalie wants him to do it. Exactly. Um, because he saved himself for Trudy mm-hmm. and, uh, and all my, my only thoughts when I was watching this was, man, he was and is a down bad simp. Like truly. Yeah. You know, he is. And I think he'd be the first to tell you that if he knew what any of those words meant. Um, do you think he's ever whacked it since? No, definitely not. We don't have to keep this in. <laughs> no, I don't mind keeping it in as long as you don't mind keeping it in. But no, I don't think so. Because um, I think to be my, frank, my, I, my wife just started like laughing like, what the fuck? I mean, I, I, the thing is she's lucky she doesn't listen to the podcast because like, that actually doesn't even come close to some of the worst stuff. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I just don't think that he has really any sexual inner life so like I, and i'm t- being serious i'm not trying to a bit like i think that he just yeah, I yeah, just don't yeah, think yeah. Occur to him. and i think and honestly like to be u- uber sex positive like that's fine like people you know that there are plenty of people like that there's nothing wrong with that wow my my notes are so fucking i must have been like eating something because i literally put M- natalie wants monk to basically not have sex with that clay dude <laughs> wow great stuff anyway monk goes <laughs> to talk to julie yeah and natalie's at the door listening and I really liked this scene, this scene because I forgot how it went down, and it was a lot less cringy than it could have been. It actually wasn't really cringy at all, where basically Monk is performing out loud a talk, but telling Julie, like, just pretend we had a talk because Natalie's listening. Yeah. No, she's uh, – it, it ends up being pretty heartwarming in the end, um, but only because – they have this whole conversation and he's like going back and forth with giving real advice and actually telling her how uncomfortable she is or he is with the whole mm-hmm. thing. And she asks a serious question. She well, just well, asks, we're just going to skip all the jokes where he says like the years between 14 and 32 are very hard for oh. a woman or your body is confusing. Changing. You're confusing. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, then after that, then she says, sorry. Yeah, she just asked him, like, basically, like, how did you know? Like, how do you know that these feelings are real? And, like, you know, really starting to question her her, um, mm-hmm. her relationship with Clay yeah. or whatever. And Monk is like, no, 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 this is not a real talk, et cetera, et cetera. And I do like that she starts crying, and he says out loud, like, what you're feeling is probably normal. What you're feeling is probably normal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, and- yeah, go. Yeah, and he basically said that, you know, he uh, he answers the question seriously. He he says that he loved falling in love with her every day, mm-hmm. every morning, every hour, whatever. And um, and my first thought was like, God damn, how long has it been since we've seen her on the show? That's it's been a while. Point. Yeah. Um, I think that, but I think the important point that he says before that is, you know, you wonder what it's going to be like until you find it. And it's like, oh, that's what it's like. Like, it's, you know, if if you're asking, is it it, the answer's no, basically. It, it's kind of what his thesis is. Right. And um, and he tells her, like, in the end, basically, that whatever she wants, you know, her dreams or anything will come true, but it doesn't have to be this weekend, mm-hmm. you know. He she gives, should I mean, take he her gives time. good advice. I think that, in actuality, I think Natalie was probably right, 
that the fact that he, you know, is more devoted to the love of his life than anyone she's probably ever met makes him uniquely qualified to give that advice. So, you know, Natalie ended up being right in a roundabout way. Right. And, yeah, she needs to take her time to find her own Trudy. Exactly. So. We cut to Randy. He's in the captain's office, and he's got a TV. And he's looking at the courthouse video. And uh, much like Puddle of Mud's 2001 hit single, the video is blurry. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, video's blurry, but Disher is convinced that it's... And what we're looking at is security footage from the courthouse yeah. of the day when Dewey and Rob would have met each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Stott is a little less convinced because it's very blurry, as It's said, too blurry. And, yeah, as... Uh, yeah, Puddle of the Mud or whatever the fuck said it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, yeah. so Disher, like, takes out a marker and starts basically marking on the screen where he sees... Mm-hmm. Dewey and Rob meeting each yeah. other or like in the same thing. Yeah. Um, and and Stomar says that could be clear. anyone. You know, right. it could be Fred, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And Randy says they're both dead. Stomar says Ginger Rogers is not dead. For what it's was worth. Was she dead? Yeah, she was dead. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Uh, but yeah. And then Stott asks, is that permanent marker? And yeah, it is. Um, but you can take permanent marker off yeah. the TV screen. Yeah, pro easily. tip with most plastic surfaces. It works best yeah. on whiteboards, but I think it also – if you actually take a erasable marker and draw over it, you can usually get rid of it. And then you erase it, it will get rid of it if you use an eraser. Um, little okay. Pro yeah, so he's using a permanent marker to draw on the TV, and that just gets Dot to admit that Disher is actually worse than Monk. Yes. And so we caught to Natalie and Monk the Rockin' on the Street. And she has his dry cleaning. And she's like, you know, I want to thank you again for, uh, you know, talking to Julie. It really, she's not going to the party, et cetera, et cetera. And then they see Clay making out and, with someone who looks like Julie. Yeah. Uh, and she, you know, confronts them. Basically, she's going to come after, you know, come down on Julie for doing that kind of thing. And they find out that it's not her. It's actually some other girl. And mm-hmm. at this point, Clay is just giving it up. Mm-hmm. He's give, he's giving up the goods. Mm-hmm. And it yes. turns out, it turns out that uh, Aunt Car- Julie's, uh, sorry, yeah, Julie's Aunt Karen paid him five hundred bucks to break up Julie mm-hmm. and her boyfriend because yeah. they didn't like him. And he still has the money on him, and it's in an envelope. But there's and, one problem. What? What? Oh, there's no Aunt Natalie. Karen. Yeah, yeah, Natalie sorry. doesn't have an Aunt Karen. <laughs> sorry, doesn't have a sister named Karen. And he pulls out the envelope, and the th- yeah. there's a thing about the envelopes that's notable. It matches the envelopes in uh, Rob's bedroom. Right, yeah, a little stationary envelope, whatever thing. Mm-hmm. So Monk's got it all figured out now. Well, he first asks, what does this assistant look like? Oh, right. And he just confirms that it's yeah. basically Allison Clark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knows what's going on. It's all connected. We cut to the Bay City Pier. And Monk is not happy. He doesn't know who all these people are. Uh, they're very clearly at the Santa Monica Pier. So yeah. at least half of them are probably uh, uh, transients. Mm-hmm. I'm wary of any sort of beachfront pier after the film Us. I'm just going to be honest. I'm usually not that way about horror movies. Oh. Yeah. He's not a fan. Um, I don't know why I thought about This Is Us, the TV show. Uh, I don't know. Probably because it's a worldwide sensation. Um, yeah. I don't know if it still is. It was at one point. Um, yeah. And so, you know, they're... Uh, they're moving Tim, through there. They're walking through there, and Tim notices Natalie because Tim works there. And, uh, you know... It approaches them and asks about Julie, and Natalie mentions that she's probably Julie's going to break up with Clay because Clay Bridges never really liked Julie. He, she basically lets him in on all this stuff. 
Right. They they he let she lets him in on that stuff as Monk notices that Rob's there. Yeah. Because Rob's over there basically to collect the duplicates of what we're about to find out. Yeah. And so Monk luckily we get Julie. Yeah. Monk ends up following uh, Rob, and as this is going on, Natalie gets to do something she's Sorry, always Natalie. wanted to do. She says, "I've always wanted to say this." Here's what happened, which I love. I love that they reference that. I like yeah. how it's in the universe of the show. It's also a big deal. Yeah, that here's what happened, and the guy. That's like yeah. those seem to be two things that are repeated. Mm-hmm. But basically, here's what happened. Um, Ra, I mean, sorry, Monk. First, the first thing we know is that Monk saw game coupons at Dewey's apartment for the Bay City Pier. So clearly, that means that they must have met there in some way. Mm-hmm. And so they met at the pier. Ironically, the same day that Julie and Tim took the picture together. And as they were meeting and as the picture was being taken, Rob and Dewey are sure enough in the background of that picture. Mm. Um, And Rob had noticed it when he saw Julie and Tim out. There's so many fucking names. Noticed it, Julie and Tim, when they were in front of his house after the murder scene. So he needed to make sure that she would never wear that shirt again. And more than that, he needed to collect the duplicate photos at the base city beer. Yeah. So, Monk's chasing him. He uh, runs through the bumper cars, um, which he definitely attacks that all wrong. Just walk up along the side. Like, he's just really Luckily, it didn't last too long. Yeah, it could have been really cringe. And then there's a little chase. Uh, then, well, sorry, then Rob manhandles the guy who uh, takes the photos, and he steals the CDs. Monk chases him. Uh, Rob gets knocked over. There's a little bit of a fight. But Rob throws the CDs into the water. But who comes to the rescue? Yeah, with a nice little little dive. Uh, jumps right off the Santa Monica Pier. Um, I just, my whole thing is like, Rob couldn't have possibly thought that was game over, right? Like, you could go get those discs. Like, yeah, I think he probably was, the yeah, exactly. Just really, uh, I think, honestly, I think it was a move of desperation. Because, like, I, yeah. don't think, I don't think he thought he was going to end up getting chased. Because why, why would he think that anyone else would be there, right? Or he's a fucking idiot, and he should have ran the opposite direction. Fair, but all, but yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is when he showed up to the Bay City Pier, his plan wasn't probably to throw them in the water. His plan was probably to take them back and destroy them, but then he saw right. that Monk was chasing him, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Anyway, uh, we cut to uh, Rob's arrested, and uh, they got copies of the photo, and Randy even got it put on a mug. He's going to show the jury, and that is 100% not admissible in court. <laughs> No, but I like his little uh, little yeah. dialogue or thing he says that he's basically Exhibit A. Thank you very much. Yeah. And then Julie and Tim are reunited, and they're back together. And let me just sidebar. Tim, you got to respect yourself more. If she was yeah, willing man, to you drop gotta let her, you. you got to sweat her out if a you, bit. If she was willing to drop you, like a freaking, what's what song you drop like nothing? Like drop like absolutely piece of garbage the moment that a popular kid in school looks at her. She doesn't respect you, man. And you gotta respect yourself. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. But like I said earlier, young love is fickle. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, he's good. You know, and also he's on the diving team, so like clearly he's not that popular. Um, he's not afraid respect. of diving back in. Let's just say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so it's fine. He's not that down bad. Uh, but yeah, they're gonna stay. Uh, you know, at the boardwalk, and uh, as they're leaving, Julie gives Monk a kiss on the cheek and thanks for the little talk. And Monk asks for a wipe. And screen wipe. What? No, that's because Monk, uh, Natalie refuses to give him the wipe. Come on. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I just wanted to end it. I, like, that's fair. But, I mean, also, God, imagine if Monk ended with wipes. Like, I so... Ooh, like, he wiped the screen? No, like, it, you know, like, the transition. I, I'm oh, so, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. so glad that movies and TV really don't do that anymore. Um, whenever I watch a Star Wars movie, and I love Star Wars, it's the thing that sticks out the most. It's like, you could just Ooh. cut. You don't have to do a crazy wipe. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, what do you give this episode out of 10? Uh, I actually gave it... I was like, whatever about it, like for most of it. And then when the whole clue was about their photo being on the back of the t-shirt, I bumped it up to an eight. I gave it an eight as well. I, like I said, I was, I really liked that the scene between Monk and Julie is not cringe because I think that that's Mm -hmm. so easy. I think they so easily could have made it like Monk thinking that Natalie wants him to explain sex and then trying to explain sex in a weird way. And like that would have sucked. Like that really would have been like a really bad Monk bit. Um... But the not enough that, birds in the bees talk in this one, but yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and I'm glad. Like I know that's the title of the episode, but yeah. I think that the more there would have been, the worse it would have been. Um, but yeah, you know, I like it. And what I do like too is if you follow us on Twitter at Strictly Monk and Andre, where can people follow you? You can follow me at Andre Barrera, and you can follow me at the J Christie. Please rate, review, subscribe, uh, share the show with the biggest Monk fan in your life, or the second biggest Monk fan in your life if you're the biggest Monk fan in your life. But more important than that, tune in next week as we talk about Mr. Monk and the buried treasure. Arr, let's get monkey.